Well, if you're uh, joining us for the first time today, we're uh, reading through the Bible uh, this year together uh, at Hope in the Year of the Bible, and we're doing that here on Sundays as well in small groups and, and individually. If you'd like to get involved with that, just flip over your bulletin, and the Bible readings are on the back of your bulletin uh, every single week. And we've been traveling through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're coming out of those, and we're in our second week um, of the book of Acts, or the Acts of the apostles. And so as we talked about last week, the book of Acts is it's taking us on this journey of the early church, of how it really got started. And what Acts does, it gives us some really amazing pictures of what it looks like when people experience the Holy Spirit in powerful ways. And we're not able to even get close to getting through all the stories here on Sunday. So I really challenge you that as we're growing as a church here, as hope is growing as a church, as you're growing individually in your own faith, that you would take some time to read Acts. The whole Bible's great, but really take some time to read Acts, because I think it's very poignant to what we're going through right now, and what it looks like to have a relationship with God, and to let the Holy Spirit live and move in and through you. So I pray that you're, you're taking the time uh, to do that on your own time, and I, and I think that it's really important to take time to study this personally. There's only so much that we can go through corporately here on Sundays, but when you're taking the time... And when you're slowing down and you're asking God those questions, it gives you an opportunity to have a dialogue with God. Because God wants to have a conversation with us in his word. And I think especially with the book of Acts, it's really important that we slow down in our personal study and we take the time to ask those questions. God, am I experiencing the power of your Holy Spirit to the fullest extent? God, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for our community? So we know that at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus tells those followers of his, and this is what the whole book of Acts is based on, is this statement by Jesus. Jesus tells his followers, which we know are now called apostles in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you, speaking to all of us as well, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So if you think about it as these concentric circles, if Jerusalem is the center, that's where all this happened. That's where Jesus was crucified. That's where Jesus appeared to to most people after he came back from the dead. You can draw this circle around it that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. This is Jesus' plan. This is God's plan for evangelizing the whole world, for the good news to spread all over the world, not just to the Jews, but to everyone. God is in the business of widening the circle. And so maybe you've heard this verse before about the power of the Holy Spirit and you've just kind of moved on and said, oh yeah, okay, I get it. Jesus is telling us and everyone, you know, go spread the good news and and that's a good thing to do and, and that's kind of inspiring. We should go out and tell everyone about Jesus, right? Well, it kind of loses some of its weight and some of its significance when we pull that verse out of the context that Jesus spoke it, spoke it in. It wasn't quite that easy. Well, we don't see at first glance is the context. And that's in, in the world of first century Palestine that Jesus said this. If you were to heard Jesus say that, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you would have thought, that's crazy. That's never going to happen. Because at this time, in the, t- in the time of Jesus, just kind of like today, there's huge barriers geographically, politically, socially, culturally, religiously. Jesus and his teachings are not exactly 
hunky-dory with everyone. And this is another one of those statements that if you would have heard Jesus say it in those days, and you were a devout Jew, or if you were someone from one of these other countries that's hearing about this plan, you would have thought, they're crazy. That is never going to work. This is the way that things have been. It's the Jews, and it's everybody else, and that's how it's been for thousands of years. And now Jesus comes along, and he starts making these radical claims. And so it all started with his own people, the Jews. Jesus is saying these things like the the Holy Spirit's going to be spread to all these people that are kind of getting under people's skin. And Jesus did this all throughout his ministry. Jesus is living outside of the box, outside of people's expectations for who they think this Messiah was going to be, for who this king was going to be. Jesus is claiming these radical things that challenged their worldview. Not all the Jews were quite happy with Jesus, even at this point, even after the resurrection. And so first of all, you've got the Samaritans, who we know that Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, and that was just radical. Jews are not supposed to associate with Samaritans. And Samaritans, we're supposed to go to Samaria, but but we've been told not to associate with these people. So how's that going to work? And then uh, the Jews basically think the Samaritans are the scum of the earth, the lesser people. And then Jesus is even suggesting that the church spread to the Gentiles, which is basically people that aren't Jews, even those who are not Jewish. The Messiah, it came for the Gentiles too, all those other people, for them too. You see, for thousands of years, the Jews had considered themselves God's chosen nation. The first three-fourths of the Bible that you have in front of you this morning is the story of God choosing people, of God choosing a certain nation, the Israelites, this Jewish nation, to be his chosen people. That's what they were told. All the way back in the Old Testament, if you go all the way back in the story, through Moses, and then through Abraham, who was the great father of the Israelite nation, wandering through the desert, finally reaching the promised land, God then makes a covenant with his people. And he gives them what we know as the Ten Commandments. And then hundreds and hundreds of laws after that, not to be a burden to them, but God gave the Jewish nation, the Israelite nation, all these laws so essentially they could be a city on a hill. So that God gave them all these laws so that they could live such a holy life that all the nations that lived around them would be inspired, that they, that they would see the glory of God, that they would see these people living righteous lives before God and be drawn to that. The original intention for God's people is that they would be witnesses. And so Jesus comes along and acts and says, you will be my witnesses. Hmm. And so Jesus is making some pretty radical statements. And so if you were a Jew, you might say to Jesus, why are you sending us to these other people, these other countries? Didn't you just come to be our Messiah? I mean, you're the king of the Jews, right? Wrong. Jesus is the king of the world, and he's doing something new. Have you ever put God in a box in the way that you think he can move? Has your experience of God ever grown a little stagnant to where you don't really expect God to do things? You put God in this nice little box, you're like, this is is how you can move because this is my current experience, this is my current spiritual, religious experience, and and this is what you're capable of, God. Why would you be capable of doing something new? 
And that's exactly what's happening through the first ten chapters of Acts. Jesus is changing people's minds. He's surprising them. He's saying these radical statements that are going to change everything. But the Jews, they've fallen into that trap. They've put God in this little box with all these rules and these regulations. But Jesus comes along and says, no, you're going to take this message to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This message is for everybody. This love is real, this gospel is true, and it cannot be contained, and it will not be stopped. God is up to something new. That's why Acts 1.8 is such a radical statement. This is going to change everything, because all those barriers that we talked about, socially, politically, economically, socially, uh, religiously, Jesus is breaking down all those barriers with this one statement. My gospel is going to go out. This good news is for everybody, because Truth be told, Jesus did not come just for people like you. Jesus did not come just for people that look and feel and act and live like you do. Truth be told, it's kind of hard to go and make disciples when you're only with disciples. We are called to be Witnesses, And when he says, go and be my witnesses, go and be disciples, that means we need to be out in the world so that we can shine our light into the darkness, so that we can be witnesses to those who don't know. Jesus is restoring the Jewish nation to their original purpose. Remember, God gave them all those laws in the Old Testament so they could be witnesses to the nations around them. And now Jesus is busting wide the doors again and said, this is your job description. This is what it's about, not only for the Jews, but for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, for everyone who puts their faith in God. This is what happens when we let God out of his box and we let God be who he wants to be. The spirit moves and we get to watch it change lives. So let's see what's happening in our scripture. That brings us up and gives us some context for our scripture today. So if you're not there already, turn to Acts chapter 10. Right at the beginning, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. And we're going to see what's happening with our friend Cornelius. I had the hardest time spelling Cornelius. When you go home today, try that. See if you can get it on the first try. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. If you've read through this story before, you'll notice that this story of Cornelius and Peter and Acts, if you thumb through Acts really quick, you'll notice this is the longest single story in Acts. It's the longest narrative, which means that Luke, the author of Acts, is saying, pay attention to this. I'm not going to write a chapter and a half story so that you could just skip over it. This is important. That's why it's that long. It's really important for us to understand everything else. So right away here, we find that our friend Cornelius is a Roman. And Romans, obviously, were very much despised by the Jews for taking over their lands. And he's a military officer above all that. And so he's probably seen as even worse you don't like Roman military officers if you're a good Jew. And he probably looks like Russell Crowe in Gladiator. That's kind of how I imagine Cornelius, just to give you a visual. Just a big, strong, burly guy. Probably lives in Brainerd, Minnesota with a big old beard, you know. That's who I imagine Cornelius being like. And so these were guys that you learned to hate if you were a good, God-fearing Jew. He's a Roman military officer, and he's definitely a Gentile. He must be so far away from God, right? Wrong. When we start reading, we read that Cornelius is a devout, 
God-fearing man. What? This guy? He's not even a Jew. He's a Roman soldier. But he fears God. As we read, so does most of his family. So do you see what God is doing here by bringing Cornelius into the story? Now that you know that whole history of this us and them mentality with the Jews and with everybody else, God comes out right away here in Acts chapter 10 and says, no, I'm going to prove my point and I'm going to prove it powerfully and I'm going to use the person that you would least expect, a Roman military officer. God is, is setting the stage to blow the roof off the box again to exceed everyone's expectations. If God can change Cornelius... That means the Gospels for anybody. He's doing something new. So we read that Cornelius has a dream where he's told to go and send some of his men to Joppa to get Peter. And Peter, we know, is one of the apostles. We've read lots of stories about Peter. He hung out with Jesus. He's one of the main apostles, disciples, that's helping to spread this news. So freeze frame that. Cornelius is getting ready to send these men to Joppa. Meanwhile, over here in Joppa, in verse 9... Peter is headed up to his roof to pray, because that's a good place to pray. Try it sometime. So he's going up to his roof, and Peter has a dream as well. And we read this in verse 11. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but this is one of those times when I'm reading the Bible and you just have to stop and say, what? (laughs) What's he talking about? What does this have to do with anything? Either God's being funny or Peter's smoking something. I don't know, but this is a weird dream. Okay, so let's take a step back and and look at what this might mean. What's God up to here? Remember all those Old Testament laws that we talked about before? Not just the Ten Commandments, but all those laws. God had a lot of laws that he gave to the Jews about what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, what's clean and what's unclean, how you wash your bowls, how you wash your plates, how many times you wash your hands. They were all for Israel's benefit, all for the benefit of the Jewish nation. And now Peter, if you think about it, Peter is a devout Jew. And so Peter's very religious. He's, hold, he's held all these laws since he was young. And so one of those laws was that there's certain animals that are clean and there's certain animals that are unclean. And you can't just go around shooting a deer and killing it. You can't just go out and kill whatever animals you want to. And so Peter, being a devout Jew, hears in this dream, hears God say to him, kill and eat. And so of course Peter's going to be confused. Of course he's going to be flabbergasted and say, and that's why he responds in verse 14, no, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But watch this. In verse 15, the voice spoke again. God says, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And it says that God, that this vision was repeated three times. God is really trying to get Peter's attention about something. And then the sheet goes up. And Peter asks in verse 17, What could this vision mean? And... As it says, just then, the men, remember the men over here that Cornelius was sending to Joppa? Just then, when Peter says, what could this vision mean? Knock, knock, knock at his door, and here's the men that Cornelius sent to him. 
what might these guys have to do with that dream? Well, what we read on is that the Holy Spirit instructs Peter to go with these men to Cornelius' house over here in Caesarea. Which, if you pause there and think about that, that's a big step for Peter. Peter's a Jew. He's told not to associate with other people groups, especially friends of a Roman military officer. So God's doing something here in Peter. These men are not Jews, and they're unclean. But the Holy Spirit has Peter's attention, and so he goes. Peter is on a journey, and Peter's about to have his whole world turned upside down. God is doing something new. And so if we read on, they finally arrive at Cornelius' house. And as Peter entered into the home, Cornelius, this big Russell Crowe gladiator bearded guy, falls down at Peter's feet and starts to worship him. But watch what Peter says. This shows that his heart is changing. Verse 26, But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. Stand up. I am a human being just like you. Wow. That's huge. That is huge for Peter to say that. Peter sees the fear and the respect of God in his eyes, and it's changing him to the point where he tells the Roman officer and all the people that were standing there that day, you and me, these barriers that have been between us, this wall that's been between us, that doesn't matter anymore. Because I see that you fear and love the same God that I do. And then Peter goes on to say in verse 28, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this. This is a big deal. Or even to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. You see what's happening? God is starting to connect all the dots, all the dreams, all the visions, all these instances. He's all the, 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 the weird bedsheet dream that Peter had with the, with the animals coming down and the men who came to get him. It's all coming together for Peter. And he realized it's all for the purpose of meeting Cornelius. Someone who just days ago, Peter would have said, no, I don't want to have anything to do with him. And he would have pushed him aside and outside of God's good news. God's doing something new. So Cornelius goes on to tell Peter the whole story of his dream and how he feared the Lord and was eagerly awaiting to hear the good news from Peter. And as Peter's listening, you can just imagine all these years, all this pride, all this religiousness start to just melt as his pride falls and all those barriers fall and all his judgments fall and you can just sense that his heart is beginning to soften and then in verse 34 peter says this and it's basically the moral of the story and i think we have this let's read this together what peter says in verse 34 then peter began to speak i now realize how true it is that god does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter's starting to get this now. 
This is, this is far beyond who's clean and who's unclean. This is far beyond animals or rituals or Romans or Jews or Gentiles. This is about the good news of Jesus. And Jesus is the one that says, you don't decide who's clean and unclean. I do. Because at the foot of the cross, there's room for everyone. Who's invited into the kingdom? Everyone. Everyone who puts their faith in God. And if God doesn't show favoritism, why should I? And because Peter let his pride fall to the ground, because Peter let God out of the box, because Peter was obedient and waited for the Spirit to lead him, he gets to share the gospel with all of Cornelius' house. And in the whole house, which is, might be close to 100 people, He's a pretty prominent military officer. The whole house ends up getting baptized. You can imagine just this revival breaking out in Cornelius' house. Peter let God out of the box, and God changed people's lives. What, God, what might God be telling us through this story today? Could it be that he's still doing something new? And if God is doing something new or wants to do something new in your life today, are you ready for it? God says, I'm moving and I'm working and I'm arranging things just like I did with Peter and Cornelius so that the gospel can go to the ends of the earth. God says, you know that whole Great Commission thing that we always talk about, about going and making disciples of all nations? I meant it. So don't get in the way. Jump on board. What might be God up to in your life? What does God want to do new in your life this week? Is it a meeting? Is it a conversation? Is it an open door to share your story? If God wanted to get your attention about something this week, would you listen? Would you be obedient? Or would you just kind of settle for your current experience of God. If God said go, would you go? If God said speak up, would you do it? If God says stop judging by mere appearances and meet that stranger, would you? If God said make that call that you've been putting off, would you do it? If God says, I want to rearrange something in your life, if God said, I want to turn something in your life on its head, would you be willing? Sometimes God's will for us always isn't clear, but are you willing to take the first step in faith today? God might have so many things that he wants to show you, but you're too scared to follow because you don't know what the future holds. You don't know the long-term plan, and so you're afraid to take that first step of faith. Do you trust that God is going to provide, as he did for Peter? Do you trust that, as Peter did, as you follow the Holy Spirit, as you listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that it's going to change you? And that you're going to see the power of God at work in incredible ways if you would just trust and if you would just take that step of faith if you would just listen when the holy spirit speaks would you take god up on his promise 
Peter's experience with Cornelius also shows us that when it all comes down to it, we are blessed to be a blessing. Peter realized that his ability to preach the gospel, all the time that he spent with Jesus, his, his Jewish education, his religiosity, his, his good standing in the Jewish culture, all of that, it wasn't just for him to be prideful and to keep to himself. It, this gospel that he'd been entrusted with by Jesus, it wasn't for him to share when and where and with who he pleased. It was for the sake of the other, for others, even those that he would never, ever meet. And so we're working on these homes yesterday for rebuilding together. And I can't help but stop and think. I am so blessed. We are so blessed. We, you and I, we've been given so much, not only in material things, but it hit me in a new way yesterday that my body and my hands and my heart, they were made to know God and to share his love, not so I could keep it to myself, but so that I could give it away. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's what Peter learned in that story. We are blessed to be a blessing. And yesterday that blessing was for Mildred, who got a new deck and a new shed and some beautiful new flowers around her house. We may never, ever meet her again, but she's a part of this too. She has a role in this story. This hope that we have is for her too, and she's included in God's plan. It's why we're here today, so that others may know. These stories of God changing lives in the early church They're in this church, too. In us are those and different people that God has brought into our path. I love hearing stories of how the Holy Spirit is at work right here, now, today. There's people here that are finding healing. There's people here that are finding acceptance for the first time. There's people here today that are finding community, real community, for the first time in their lives. There's people that are looking at us as hope. There's people that are looking at us as city branches. We're moving and as we're active in the community and as we're worshiping God together, there's people that are looking at us and saying, I don't know what that is, but I want it. I don't, I don't know quite what that whole church thing is about, but there's something different about those people. I don't know what it is, but I want it. We are blessed to be a blessing We're here to serve because it's God's heart. And that's what happens when we realize, just like Peter, that the gospel, it isn't just for us to keep to ourselves. It's so that others may know. We live to tell. That's why our mission statement at Hope is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That's when faith gets exciting. When we become those witnesses that we were meant to be when we start stepping out in faith, when we step out of our comfort zones into the unknown, and we start reaching out to those people that we don't know, all those people that that so many others have, have written off, it gets real when somebody like Cornelius, somebody that, that everybody else has written off and said, no, the gospel of Jesus Christ would never be for them. There's people like that in our city. 
That's the real deal, folks. That's when faith gets exciting. When what we're doing in here today fills the streets out there. That's the real deal. That's where the game is played. Out there for people that God loves and need to hear about it. What does God want to do through us this week? What does God want to do through you this week? And if he wanted to do something new, are you ready for it? I pray that we would just get out of the way, just like Peter did, and let the Holy Spirit do its thing. Bring it on, Jesus. Bring it on. We're going to get out of the way and watch the Holy Spirit keep changing lives.